0: Good morning, everybody. I hope you've had a good weekend. Uh, Today we are taking a pause in our series on the parables, and I'm going to be spending this morning talking about hubs. Uh, So it's not the parable of the hub, I'm afraid. Um, So could we have the first—brilliant. That's really bright yellow. I uh, was—I've been given the color yellow for hubs, which I was super excited about. It was suggested that I wore entirely yellow this morning. Uh, I've just gone for the shoes as a nod to the yellow. So if you're new here this morning or you, you didn't make it to the evening event a couple of months ago, then I just want to quickly fill you in in what a hub will be. A hub is going to be the new name for our smaller communities that will launch in September 2023. They will replace connect groups and missional communities and pop-up groups. They're going to be about 10 to 30 people in number. They will help us in our actions to love God, to love one another, and to make disciples. They'll be open. There'll be three types. Grow Hubs, Life Hubs, Transform Hubs. And they will be time-bound, which means that they'll run for five-month seasons, take a break for a month, and start again. Okay, so that's a quick overview, just so that you know what it is that I'm talking about this morning. Now, what I'd love to do this morning is to go through some of the reasoning why we're doing this. I want us to have a little look at patterns that we see in the Bible and in society and in church history as to why this is so important. We're going to think about some of the prophetic words that we've had spoken over us as a a community, as New Community Church. We'll think about the purpose and some of the practicals. Okay, so we're going to dive straight into Acts 2, verse 42 to 47 Uh, So if you've got your Bibles, then you can open them. If not, it's on the screen. I'm going to pray to start with. Father, I thank you for your heart for community, that you yourself are part of a community, (laughs) that you haven't put us here on earth to be here on our own. And Lord, I pray that as we read this passage from Acts, that we would hear what it is your Holy Spirit is saying and we would be open to your words. Amen. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had, They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple every day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, if we just look at this really simply, there's three things that really stand out. And that's there were very simple foundations of prayer, teaching, fellowship, and sharing meals and the Lord's Supper. There were some sort of rhythms of sometimes meeting in homes around a meal or also going to the temple. There were different, they, they met in different ways, they didn't just meet in one way. And the Lord continued to add to them daily. Every day a new person, a new person, a new person. Um, And this is a great, even if we just stop here and just think about that, that that gives us a great example for what we want for our community. But I want to go a little bit deeper. So I'm going to start off with showing you my family photo album. Oh, there we go. Um, I won't dwell on this too long, don't worry. So this is my side of the family. So this is me and my brothers and sisters and their husbands and wives and their children, and my mum and dad. There's 15 of us in total, and uh, there's some uh, some autistic need as well in the family. And so when we get together, it's quite loud and busy. But it's, we feel so blessed to have an uh, amazing heritage and sense of belonging in our family. But when we get together, it's it's limited, you know, there's only certain meals we can have. We kind of do this rotation of going to Itchin Valley or Royal Victoria Country Park. You may well have seen us there en masse at times. And if we're feeling really adventurous, we might make it to Moors Valley in the New Forest. Uh, We have to be careful about what we do together, but it is amazing to be part of something bigger. It's lovely at Christmas to have so many people around the table. We know that we're really blessed. Okay, the next one. This is our nuclear family, Ben and I and the children. Now, we can do a bit more of a variety of things. When they put on the TV, there's not a constant chant of, hey Dougie, hey Dougie, hey Dougie, hey Dougie, because they're a bit older, so they can watch what they want to watch, Um, and we can have the meals we want to, we can get in a car and just go somewhere by ourselves. We have a bit more flexibility with our nuclear family, um, but of course, it's lovely to be with a bigger family, but we have a bit more flexibility when we're just the nuclear family. And then the next one. There we go, that was Ben and I on our wedding day. Um, Ben looks really young and it was really windy that day, which is why my veil is like that. Uh, It's a rare opportunity that Ben and I get to spend time on our own together. Uh, But when we do, and we do sometimes have a couple of days to ourselves, we realise there's like actually hours in the day between 5 and 8pm. And you could like go out for a meal, just walk out of the house and go out for dinner at 6 o'clock or something, and you'd still be back in time to watch an episode of Race Around the World or something like that. That's how rock and roll our life is. Um, So when it's just the two of us, we can be even more specific about what we do. It's a different type of relationship, isn't it? Different sized groups whether that's in our family or in society, we need that for belonging. We need a big, cent, a big group. Um, you know, on the school run, it's lovely to see so many people that I know, but I don't know them really well. I don't have a really in-depth conversation. It's also good to be part of something smaller. And church life is no exception. Now, I know over the last few years not just in this church, but I think it's been a conversation across the nation. What does, does size of gathering matter? Should we be all in smaller contexts or should we be all in bigger contexts? What's the right way? What's the right thing to do? But unfortunately, this has kind of built up this dichotomy where we think either... Big church is the best thing, and we don't want to do anything else. Um, Or, no, small is the only way to do it, and we don't ever want to meet as something big. And that's not very helpful, because actually, a variety is what we need. And we see this in the life of Jesus. So if we look at Jesus' life, he had three close friends. Peter, James, and John, who seemed to be there with more things with him. they were eyewitnesses at the transfiguration. They were there when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. And they were also there in the Garden of Gethsemane when he, the night before he was uh, crucified. They were there in his highs and in his lows. He had 12 disciples where they would go uh, on his mission, mish, ministry together and they'd share meals together. We often see them going to a meal, at a meal, coming from a meal... And they also went to the temple together, much like we just saw in Acts. So there's this rhythm in the Bible and in the early church of meeting in homes and meeting somewhere bigger. Now, this is also something that we see in in history, in in church history. So on the screen, uh, the next slide along. brilliant this is an image that is adapted from something that the bible society produced in the 70s and it suggests that different sizes of gathering have different functions so when we meet in a smaller context there would be more personal intimacy when we meet in a middle-sized context there's social fellowship and when we gather as a bigger context it's a place for worship now Uh, Mike Breen and Bob Hopkins, who have done a lot of work on missional communities, they're part of the Anglican Church Planting Initiative, they were based in the church that we went to when we were in Sheffield, they say the problem is, what's happened over time, is we've tried to put all of these functions of church into one box, and we have the tendency of trying to put everything into a Sunday morning, which just isn't possible, and it it's very restrictive if we try to do everything in a bigger scale. So I've got a picture next of lots of people. So whilst large is obviously hugely necessary for communal worship and teaching and welcome and momentum, for finance and health and safety and safeguarding. Is Elaine here? Yes, there we go. Um... We, we need to belong to something bigger, but there are limits, there is limits to a bigger group. So whilst Chris Romilly could perhaps cook for everybody here, and we could have a lovely sit-down meal, the majority of us couldn't do that, and our homes wouldn't, wouldn't take 200 people. We need more than Sundays, so I just want to unpack a couple of different ways that we can do this. First of all, I've got the three lonely people, there we go, they're very little. I tried to make in the same scale. Um, so we need a few people that we can walk alongside where we can be vulnerable and accountable and challenged. In 2020, we launched pattern groups, which are groups of three or four people. They're single gender. They are closed and they're, formed. they're self-formed. Or perhaps you have an accountability partner or uh, a prayer triplet or a mentor or something like that. Somewhere where we can be honest and open, and it feels all the time that there's some church personality in the church in the in the media, uh, where stuff is coming out about them. No matter who you are or what you do, we need people that we're honest and open, accountable to, and that probably is only two or three people. So so many people have said to me, when I've talked about hubs, well, what about pattern groups? Pattern groups absolutely are still a thing, or maybe it's that you've got a mentor or an accountability partner. We need to have a place where we are vulnerable and open. Okay, and the next one along. So we could have um, a, a big celebration like this on a Sunday morning, and we could meet together in a smaller, tight group. But then there would be a little bit of a gap. And I think maybe coming out of COVID, this is where we have found ourselves, where we have we, we're, we're building momentum here on a Sunday morning, and we have some really good friendships, but then there's something missing in the middle. And uh, it's probably uh, w- w- we can see that Jesus. Sat down with 12 disciples. The early church shared meals together. Wesley divided his church into classes in the Methodists. The charismatics began house groups. Absolutely, this is nothing new under the sun. We need the yellow circle, I think next. We need hubs. Uh, Because we can't ignore the power of the table or the sofa. The ability to be multi-generations together. To invite other people into our homes who are new to faith don't have any faith a place for us to grow our gifting and to spur one another on to mission (laughs) it's no surprise i'm saying we need hubs we need these middle-sized groups now the next slide along what i've tried to do is i've tried to map this onto us for new community So it could look something a little bit like this, where we have the very small groups for accountability and discipleship, these middle-sized for equipping and fellowship, Sunday mornings for celebration, momentum, teaching, worship, keeping us going. Now, a couple—no, was it this year? Yeah, last year, uh, my mum and I went to a Fresh Expressions conference. And it was really exciting. They do lots of very pioneering um, groups, f- expressions of, of faith in different places, in allotments, in cafes. They're bringing the gospel to various different places. But what was really interesting is that many of them were exhausted. Many of them weren't tied into anything else. And they seemed lonely. Um, and we came away from that thinking that whilst expressing. Uh, having missional communities and and doing missional things we still need to be tied into something bigger (laughs) like i need to be i feel such a great sense of belonging in my family we need that as well of course the flip side of this is that we lean too heavily on a celebration and then we slightly confine where we can reach who we can reach So if you picture a long checkout queue, there we go, I think this was taken in COVID. Um, We've all been in that situation, right, where we're like, just open another checkout lane. Um, And so the response that supermarkets have obviously had over the last well, a few decades, decade or two, is to open up different ways of people being able to shop. So now we can do click and collect, we can do online delivery, we can do self-scan, and so we can get our shopping more, more efficiently, more people can go through, more people can access. And it's the same for us in church, that the more different expressions we have and places where we can express faith and invite people into that the more people are going to come to know jesus because when we're in a smaller group then we can be a bit more flexible so we want to we want to open more checkout lanes let more people come through let there not be a blockage of just having one expression but have many expressions Okay, so through uh, social, through society, through the Bible, through church history, we see this pattern that uh, different sizes are needed for different purposes, that we can't just have one context. Now what I'd like to do is for us to look at some of the prophetic words that we've had as a community. Now there are quite a few, so I'm just going to focus on three this morning. Now, in the first, just after the first lockdown, Billy shared an image of an uh, ancient Celtic monastic settlement. This was, just, this was in July 2020. And he said he felt like God said to him, I'm taking you back to the future. That this wasn't a new vision, but this was the same vision that God had breathed into us when we first began. And he described a community where belonging was around a common rule. Where there was a commitment to a vision and community. Where there were common rhythms of worship and prayer and learning. With Christ at the centre, but a wide variety of expressions on the outside. So I know in the charismatic church, we can have the tendency of uh, having a prophetic word or a vision. And running with that for a year or two and then dropping it. Uh, So uh, is is this prophetic word still relevant? Yeah, I think it is. Because I look around and I see a community who are committed to our vision. Who are committed to one another. Who are committed to prayer and to worship. Are passionate about bringing life and making disciples. Part of this prophecy was about rebuilding the walls where we are in our different areas, on our different front lines. And as I mentioned, I think we can still do work in that. We can still um, look where it is that God has placed us individually and start to open up spaces for hospitality there on that place so that we're opening out more checkout queues. Okay, so the next prophecy... was from 2006, and this was one of a battleship with fishing vessels, and so the fishing vessels would go out and would uh, preach the gospel, would heal the sick, and then would bring people back into the battleship, and uh, there was this kind of idea of going out and coming back in, a similar idea of scattering and gathering, scattering and gathering. And then again, in 2019, Theo was given an image of a hub with spokes where there was a gathered uh, church in the middle. And then spokes, it's not coronavirus. Apparently, that's what it looks like. Sorry, I need a better image. Um, And there's lots of different uh, spokes on the outside, missional communities, family on mission, where they're out on the outskirts, but also joint into the whole Okay, so if we look at all of those three side by side, we can see that I think through the patterns that we see in the Bible and in society, and also through the prophetic words that we've got, and there are more, um, that for us as New Community Church, we need to walk forward with this tension of being both gathered, but also being scattered. And I think that that is, is a word that is over us. So, and, and I also think, actually, it's been really interesting meeting other people from other churches and Pioneer and other places. There are many churches in the country that are kind of grappling with the same thing at the moment. Like, yes, we want to be this place where we can build people up and have be, be a place of worship and teaching. But also, we want to be really missional in... A variety of places and spaces, and how do we do this? And I think, as a new community, we can do this, and it's something we need to try and walk over the next few years. And I do think there'll be other churches doing the same, walking alongside us, walking the same walk. How do we be diverse and missional whilst also gathering at the same time? Okay, so. Why? What's the purpose of hubs? Well, if you've listened to my very short videos on super speed over the last three weeks, uh, we're going to look at three reasons why we need hubs. And they're based on our action to love God, to love one another, and to go and make disciples. First of all, equipping. There's a passage in Colossians 16 that reads this. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. God wants us to equip one another. Uh, Liz and Alec had this really good image of what they do in their community and it was a picture about how when we teach the Bible in a smaller community we don't just have one person doing it but actually everybody has something to to bring each of us sees in part and that and that's what we need we need smaller contexts for us to be able to equip one another to practice our spiritual gifting to pray and to teach and help us grow in our relationship with God We want to love one another, to show hospitality. Romans 12 is a great passage for this. I've just picked out a few verses here. So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. As I said earlier, you might be able to fit 10 people around your table or have a bring and share tea for 20 people. You probably can't fit 200 around your table. If we want to open our homes and create places of belonging, we need to do that in, in smaller groups. We need that. Okay, the next one. We are commanded to go and make disciples. We are family on mission together acts 4 is a great example of this or the whole of acts is a great example of being family on mission together um acts 4 peter and john have just been before the council because they've been uh, displaying signs and wonders they've been telling people about jesus and what he's done and so they kind of are in a bit of a trouble and it reads like this On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. When something's gone wrong, what they do is they go back to their community of people and they ask for prayer and then they go again they needed their friends to be able to be spurred on and it's been a really beautiful example of family on mission over the last few weeks with going into uh, the Bitten Park secondary CU so I think I kind of Emily and I were floating the idea around and she had contact with one of the teachers, so she was emailing one of the teachers and then was talking to other youth workers about how I could possibly do a CU. And and then we didn't get contact with this teacher, so I sent Verity, poor year seven, in with a letter to this teacher. Um, And then he responded to me. And then uh, Evie and some of the older youth got together the youth and encouraged them to come along. And Sarah said she'd come along too. And then at church, people have been saying, I've been praying for you, how did it go? It is so encouraging to have people that are standing alongside you and saying, how's it going? I'm praying for you. Because it does give you the confidence to preach the gospel boldly when you know that other people are standing with you. Family on mission is exciting and it is so necessary. So uh, we can kind of see through, through this church history and society and where things are going for church across the nation and in our prophetic the prophetic words we've had and because it helps us fulfill a purpose that these middle sized communities are so important and that the foundations uh, for these communities are going to be the same thing that we've been saying uh, for many years these are basically the same as connect groups when connect groups were launched in 2012 this is the same things we're just reaffirming what's been done before so the next slide along our foundations for all hubs will be that there will be equipping a, a place for one another to grow in faith centered around prayer and scripture they'll be hospitable a place to welcome newcomers and a place where we can co- when we can play our part they'll be regular and relational There'll be a place for family on mission, a place to spur one another on in confidently sharing the good news of Jesus. They will be open and they will be outward looking. And really importantly, they will be connected, a part of the whole, sharing the same vision and values of New Community Church. That is so important as we've been talking about already this morning. So, practically, there's going to be three different sorts of hubs. There we go. Uh, it's quite hard to read. Uh, so, Grow Hubs are going to be a community who's, who journey a specific course or Bible series together. The primary purpose of these groups will be discipleship that's rooted in community. These Some of these groups will be part of they'll make up the discipleship pathway which will also be launched in september 2023 and so this is going to include uh, courses like the prayer course the bible course emotionally healthy spirituality those sorts of things secondly life hubs this is for a community of missionaries who feels like they're a missionary Um, I don't ever put my hand up to questions like that, so I forgive you if you um, didn't put your hand up. We are all missionaries, wherever you are. If you're a carer in the home, if you're out in your neighborhood, in your workplace, wherever you are, you are bringing the good news of Jesus. We are all missionaries, and so we're going to have these groups that are going to support us on our individual front lines. This will be done through devotion to prayer and scripture and fellowship. Examples of this would be, for example, the under fives group and families, or currently the Bower and Chart group. Thirdly, transform hubs. A community whose purpose is to see lives changed in a particular people group. Um, so they will be centered around prayer and devotion and hospitality. And the aim will be to make new disciples of Jesus ...amongst that particular people group. So, for examples of this would be the Bitten Park group, Sholing, the internationals. People whose heart are particularly to reach a particular people group. Okay, now the life and the grow hubs are going to be time-bound. Which means that they will run for five months at a time. They'll stop... And then you can have a chance to sign up to the same group or to a different group if you'd like to. So, if we go along to the next slide, there's an example here from Gas Street in Birmingham. And when we launch our hubs in September, this is what ours will look a little bit like. And so you can see if you look really closely, they've got blue circles around some, green around some, and red around others. They also have different types of groups, so you could look on Church Suite and see, and then you could click on one. So if we go to the next slide along, and then it would tell you a little bit about the group, how you can sign up. It has a little map to tell you where it is. And it even tells you how many spaces are remaining, so you need to get in there quick. Um, this is what it's going to look like for us two, pretty similar. Okay, so, hubs. What can we do practically? What does it look like next? Well, if you're interested in leading a hub, then I'd love to chat to you or please do email me. We're going to have the hub leader training in June And so if you do want to lead a hub, I really need to know by the end of May, please. And if you currently lead a Connect Group that's becoming a hub, please sign up to the training. If you think you might possibly want to lead a hub next year, sign up to the training. Um, You can do that on Church Suite. Connect Groups are going to stop in July, and hubs will launch in September. Okay. So... I think hubs are really key for us as we move forward. And maybe you're sat there thinking, this isn't for me. I already do loads of stuff, and so I can't possibly do that. I'd like us to try and look at what we're doing in a different way. It doesn't have to be Wednesday night at eight o'clock, it can be. That's good, but it doesn't have to be. There there, there could well be things that you're already doing that are really close to being a hub. Maybe you love having people over for lunch on a Sunday. Maybe that could become your hub where you do that each week and invite others in. Maybe you enjoy climbing. Start a climbing hub. Reach people that are climbing for Jesus. Maybe you're already serving through food banks or English lessons or outreach. Or maybe you're doing the outreach in the park. Perhaps your community is ripe for forming a hub. God has placed every one of us here somewhere. And it's somewhere that he hasn't placed me. And wherever you are, they probably need a new checkout queue opening. You probably know how to reach those people far better than I do. You're bringing the presence of Jesus wherever you are. That's my heart for our young people in the CU. That they'd know that when they're in school, even if it's tough, they are a dwelling place of God. You're a dwelling place wherever you go. Could you be hospitable and welcome others into that space? Create a space where people can get to know Jesus, who he is, his heart for them. Being a smaller unit just means we're more flexible and more adaptable to what the Holy Spirit is saying. It's so crucial. So I wonder what God is saying to you this morning. Maybe it's some of the stuff that I said earlier about accountability and it might be that you need an accountable friendship. Or maybe you've not been part of a connect group or a hub for a while and it's something you need to open up to again. Or maybe you haven't been so plugged in here on a Sunday morning and you want to play your part, serve on a team, get involved. I wonder if there's a place of hospitality that you have in your life, where your checkout lanes are. And finally, and I wonder if this is the case for most of us, are you already actually doing some of this? And it just takes a little bit of reimagining, or maybe a friend to give you a nudge and say, you're actually pretty much doing that, you just need to change that. Let's open up to see what God is doing in our places and spaces and how we can develop community there. If you're not sure and you've got questions, I'd love to talk to you and talk through what this could look like for you. I've also printed out a flyer here. Um, And Rachel and John have got those on the welcome desk at the back. So do please go and grab one of those. If you are on Facebook, it should also have come up on Facebook around about now. So if you don't need the paper copy, you can have it on your phone. Right, I'd love to pray for us now before we finish. Father, I thank you for the journey that you've taken us on as a church. I thank you that each one of us sees in part what it is that you're doing. And Lord, I thank you for the words that have been spoken over us prophetically as a church. We want to be a church that follows your voice and listens to your heart. We want to know that we belong to this amazing church family, but also be flexible and adaptable enough to know how we can build community in our own communities and on our own front lines. If we're struggling, Lord God, to see what it is that you're doing, I pray that you would open our eyes, awaken us, make us more sensitive to your Holy Spirit, put people around us that will nudge us and encourage us. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing church family, for the heritage and for the commitment to you. Thank you, Lord, for all you're doing. Amen.